A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 106, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Rumors of my demise were greatly exaggerated, folks. They tried. They Thank failed. you for coming back, Dan. Thank you. I'm Hosting back. is really hard. He said, he said in a text like, message. Really You've got to like read stuff. He said in a text message to me, I'm getting tired of doing this heavy lifting. Yeah, Dan like, needs to be back. I think I carried it for about, what, uh, 104 shows, 103 shows, and then finally uh, I needed a break. I needed a break from these two goons to get healthy again. But, yes, there was a little health scare in the power household, but uh, over that now recovered and on the road to recovery, I should say, not 100% yet, but everything uh, fit and firing enough to join these two again and do the show. And it is a big one we've got coming up for you. We're going to have USA Eagle Chance Wangluski joins us. He talks about... His injury scare that ruled him out of the two Uruguay games. We're also going to dive into the Canada-Chile performance as well as USA-Uruguay over the weekend. Uh, we'll talk a little bit signings, coaches and players and what's going on around the league. And uh, as always, we step into the lab. We welcome the professor, Pete Steinberg. Buddy, it's uh, a bit emotional because I saw you a couple of days ago and we, we, we got to have a we have a cup of coffee. We had a cup of coffee and said goodbye as I packed up and left the great state of Colorado. I know, sad day, sad day. But I, I, I do really appreciate you coming down. Um, uh, so that means Aaron, the jersey signed. So I just need to be able to send it away Excellent. for our jersey giveaway. Excellent. So we actually, we actually did that. But it was, it was great to see you. Um, sad to see you leave. But um, on to, on to bigger and better things. So. Yeah, it's been like I have to say, it's sort of interesting. I haven't really got into, you know, the the prem. It, it's been weird. I'm so, I'm I'm feeling a little disconnected from 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 rugby. Um, you know, followed the US and, and and the Canadian games, but I haven't really got into the Premiership. Um, although you know, I, I feel like I should go watch that Quinns game from Friday. Everyone said it was um, amazing. So yeah, I'm I'm having a little bit of MLR withdrawal. Um, I, you know, my wife's happy because I don't walk around with my iPad watching MLR games, but um, a little bit, a little bit of withdrawal, but we're not, you know, but it, when you look at it down, we're not too far away from like camp starting. I mean, it's a, we're in the middle of October. Yeah. A couple of teams posted up 90 days till camp. Um, yeah. So, it's kind of crazy because like, you know, we talked to Chance a little bit later about this. We're only just over two months removed from the final. So Preseason uh, is is getting shorter and shorter, which is good, and it's starting to fill with content. I'm loving the 
the test series, obviously a big one coming up is the USA All Blacks game at uh, FedEx Field. There's still FedEx Field, Washington, D.C. It's been a while. I know the football team changed their name. They probably changed the name of the field as well. Anyway, we'll dig into that later. But uh, as always, tonight's band are brought to you by ShopNLR.com, powered by our good friends at the Rugby Shop who uh, they don't get sick, they don't miss shows, they don't miss deliveries, they just keep providing that great service that we know and love from the rugby shop. And Pete, tell me, what have they got on special at the moment? Is there anything on there? We just signed a um, Apologies to Rick Meyer as well. Uh, Pete said it was for Britney Spears. I started writing my phone number on there. I had to scribble it out real quickly. So that's on me, Rick. Sorry, buddy. But uh, any, any more Seattle jerseys maybe for Rick? To buy, I know his son's actually I have carving to say, up there. So, so I, I, I have to say, like when, when I got the jersey and I looked at it, I'm like, this is, this is a really, really good jersey. Like, like yeah. they are quality jerseys. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I would. I, it's a little thick for me, you know. Um, but yeah, they're they're nice jerseys. You're talking about see- me or the jersey? Yes. Well, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Well, so shopmlr.com has 30 to 50% off. You can get 50% off with the code code FULLSALE50. So great chance to go and get some of your MLR gifts. So head over to shopmlr.com and get your discount. Beautiful stuff. As always, appreciate the support from the gentleman at the rugby shop. And like you said, Pete, shopmlr.com to get all your MLR needs. Let's jump into our interview for this week's show. It's uh, It was a good one. It's obviously a fascinating guy. There, there are definitely two chance one Gluskis. There's the rugby player and then there's the artist, the graphic designer, the, the philosophers. Um, what are they saying? Zoolander, the Ugoogalizer. What are you thinking? I know what a Ugoogly was. Just kidding. He doesn't do any of those. Let's hope he doesn't have to do those as well. But it was a great interview and a great chat. Hope you enjoy it. Let's bring him in now, Chance Wondlewski. All right. Joining us now is USA Eagle and uh, recently surgically repaired Eagle, Chance Wondlewski. Chance, thanks for joining us. Uh, give us a word limit on how much you want to talk because you just underwent some jaw surgery and we don't want to... Uh, break up that scar tissue or cause any further damage but how are you feeling post-surgery hey uh i'm doing i'm doing actually quite well it's uh i think it's been a little over 10 days now but i did have like a little bit of an infection in a spot so had to go back underneath the knife this time not under anesthesia but uh wide awake so that was a fun experience but uh yeah everything's good now I, i can actually start talking a little bit more and chewing foods is a plus so life's looking good right now well, talk, talk us through what happened originally. What, what led to the uh, first surgery? Oh, yeah. It was just a live session. I think it was uh, the weekend prior to the first game against Uruguay. Um, just, you know, in those live sessions, anything can happen. And, and I was on the receiving end of a back-spinning elbow. Uh, and who? You know, Whose elbow? Um, Whose elbow? Uh, Dylan Fawcett. So I guess, I guess you can call it the, the butcher bow special or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely not on the right end of that. I'm, I'm hoping his elbows in good shape, but yeah, my face definitely got the, the tasty end of it. Yeah, the but, butcher um, heard, heard you might be transferring a hooker, and he took you out. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think there was rumors of that, and he definitely didn't like that, so he had to put a stance for it. I guess I don't know, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely unlucky as far as the hit and stuff goes. Obviously, very much you know gutted from that. You know, missing uh, those two caps against Uruguay. 
but um, you know, obviously, I'm of high spirits. You know, I'm I'm ready to get back at it. I'm just about cleared to go back to the gym, and uh, so I'm very excited to you know get the engine back and running. I've, I've been sitting down a little too long. I've been drawing a few too many pictures, uh, doing some graphic design stuff. So I'm ready to get up and at it. So yeah, life is good right now. Not too bad. Yeah, I like it. Well, why it's relevant, let's talk a little bit about the USA-Uruguay series. Obviously, uh, the first disappointment for you is the injury not being able to play. The second, the result, uh, team goes down in Montevideo. And, uh, you know, a lot's been said publicly and privately about this chance. As a current player, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the performance. Um, obviously, we understand you've got to be very guarded here of what you say. Um, but... The disappointment of not being America's one for you. Oh yeah, I mean, sheesh. You know, I think what Gigi's trying to do is, you know, I think in a respectful aspect, he wants to like definitely make everyone who's in the thirty-man roster as much of a high competitive environment as possible. So, you know, with that being said, um, me, David, uh, Matt, um, Ote, like. A lot of like big name guys who are in USA's you know roster, they they're trying to make it really really competitive as far as allowing guys to have opportunities, you know, to put the number one jersey on. So, you know, obviously for me, you know, missing out on these these past two opportunities and actually the two opportunities uh, for the for the England tour as well, you know, it's it stinks. You know, it is what it is at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to keep your eye on the the bigger picture of things, and you know, you want the best results for you know, all of USA and, and USA rugby in general. So for me, you know, having this face injury and stuff, you know, they had to bring another guy in, Ote from uh, San Diego. He came in, you know, in, in that instance, you automatically have to switch your gears from being in a competitive mode to helping the players around you get up and caught up on all the plays, all the lineouts, uh, technical aspects. Like you have to get everyone caught up on in, in that gear, so to speak. So, you know, for me, you just have to change, you know, your coat, so to speak. I just put the, you know, the teaching aspects on and just got on as prepped as possible, you know, the best ways that I know how to. So for me, you know, I like to consider myself, you know, a, a bit of a quieter leader, but at the same time, I'm very much humble in the aspects that, you know, if, if it's not my time to shine, then I want to make people around me, you know, be as bright as possible. So that's kind of my interpretations as far as leading into that first game. Um, but, you know, as far as the results and stuff went in that first game, you know, obviously I think there's USA shown time and time again, I think even in the first match we played against Canada, that there's a lot, you know, potential of scoring. And I think USA put themselves in a lot of good places to score. Um, obviously, you know, it's pretty spicy tries. I think Cam Dolan with that, with that first one, with a multiple number of offloads, um, I think starting with Ruben de Haas to Honku, Honku, uh, off to, I'm not sure who it was off to, but it was just a lot of beautiful, beautiful play, open field play. And at the end of the day, I think that's what USA needs to continue to focus on. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I thought that first game, you know, it didn't, I don't think it still, you know, showed what USA has, you know, kind of in the chamber, so to speak, as far as, you know, what's, you know, what we're capable of doing. Well, it, it seems like that the US is, um, you know, can, can play some devastating rugby, but, also sometimes just consistency is a challenge, right? So there was the game against um, uh, a the first game against Canada that you were part of that, you know, was a difficult result, but a week later, 
a uh, you know a, a great result, right? Being able to really put put Canada away, and then if you look at the first sixty minutes in Glendale against Uruguay, nineteen three up, completely dominant, um, and then that mm-hmm. last twenty minutes, and then you know even even in Uruguay, moments of real good play, but then some periods. So, I, I mean, that's really hard to fix, right? In an international environment where you've got like a couple of practices each time. Right. Yeah. Like that's just it, it's, it's like you have a couple of practices, then you have to go play. Can you talk a little bit about sort of maybe that the journey that you were part of? So that the game, you know, the prep and what the prep was like for the first Canada test, how it might have been different for the second Canada test. And then kind of like where you think, you know, what was the difference between those two games? Because maybe that gives us some insight into the two different performances against Uruguay. No, yeah. I mean, like I said, I think it's been a long period of time since all these USA guys have come together. You know, I think it's, it's literally been since the World Cup, since 2019, since the last time we've all come together as a team, as a unit, and, and had to, you know, put some, you know, phases together, put some plays together, and score some drives together. So, you know, I think it, just trying to get the rust off, so to speak, um, in that first game against Canada. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's like you have to know – what everyone brings to the table in order to capitalize and make those guys shine. So, I mean, for me, for instance, it's like, I'm just going to be hitting as many rucks as I possibly can scrum penalties and dominant tackles is what my aims are in a game. And, and I, I expected the person to the left and right of me to know exactly what I'm going to do when it comes to the game. So I think it just comes down to really just trying to figure out what everyone's craft is and really capitalizing allow them to shine to the best of their ability. Now, I think that first game, you know, had a lot of potential to be, you know, a lot, a lot closer at the end of the day. But, you know, I think it's just trying to get the rust off. And that's sadly why we kind of got the L's that we, we maybe just took a little bit too much time, you know, trying to, you know, play to an extent of that will maybe not really maybe understand the full concept of what the system is. Um, or possibly just not really understanding our roles properly at the time. And I think once it came to that second game against Canada and Glendale, I think we were on all four, so all six cylinders, so to speak, and, and we're able to truly capitalize. We had Adrian McGinty back. Um, he's, he's a phenomenal leader, um, not just for the, for the backs, but for the forwards as well. And he knows how to get those guys moving around. Um, having him was, was tremendous to, I think, our success in Glendale. But at the same time, I think everyone, you know, fully bought into the system in that, in that moment in that second match. And I think that's what really kind of gave us that over the top momentum to, you know, get the 55, 50, you know, lead in the qualifier against them. Um, you know, as far as Uruguay going, we had a week off, you know, leading into that camp. So, you know, go back home, continue your training, uh, come back together once again in Glendale. And, you know, for, for me, I knew that we were going to have to, this was going to be a bigger match. You know, I think Uruguay has proved time and time again, that they're continuously growing similar to USA and Canada. And, and it showed obviously in that second match, but I think at the end of the day, like what Gary Gold wanted us very much to, you know, focus on is, is the fact that we're going to, we're going to grind hard for each other. And we're going to have to continue to push ourselves more than we did in those, those Canada prep weeks. So I think everyone knew exactly what was coming, you know, leading into that Uruguay match and, you know, I, we obviously came and did the job the first time, but, uh, you know, as far as that second week of prep goes, you know, uh, I, could, I couldn't say, sadly, you know, how that, that prep week went leading into um, Uruguay. Obviously, travel is a big deal, but at the same time, a lot of these teams are traveling and you have to just allow yourself to block that aspect of the aspect of the whole, you know, game out, you know, because 
as very much as it is, you know, traveling, you know, down past the equator and, and, and you know, playing in hostile territories, you have to be up for that, you know, at the end of the day as well. So, you know, you know, props to Uruguay, you know, they, they had great success. They got that, that number one spot, so to speak. And, and I think USA now has a bit of a target, you know, on our back, you know, as far as, you know, wanting to and having to perform at the highest level that we can perform at in order to stay in this, you know, this World Cup, you know, qualifier. Yeah, I, I was going to ask sort of what it's like to go on those long trips. You know, you just played. I guess the next day you fly out, so not a lot of recovery. You must feel mm. pretty bad once you get down there. And then it's, you know, there's, again, just not much time. Can you give us an idea of sort of what that, whether it was, you know, like what the prep week was right before the second Canada test? Like, what was your day like each day? How much time? Because I think people feel like, oh, they must have all this time in the world. But actually, it's mainly just feeling good at the next game. No, yeah, 100%. I think there's a, there's a heavy amount of, you know, props to the just the management as far as, you know, trying to get timings right, making our lives as easy as possible, you know, to get these lo- to these certain locations in a, in a manner of time that allows us to have still prep time to get ready for the game along with, you know, maybe getting a session or two in uh, prior to, you know, actually playing the game. So, you know, like I said, much props to the management, much props to the, to the coaching staff as far as, you know, getting us in a, in a mindset and physicality sense that we're ready to go come game time. So, you know, I, I'm not hundred percent exactly sure on how, how the boys did as far as, you know, that travel travel process goes. I know for me, for instance, it's, it's obviously a long delayed out, you know, thing, but most people, you know, spend a lot of the times playing cards in the airport, getting a cup of coffee, you know, just, just stuff that you do normally in an airport, but you're, you're going to be there for a long period of time. Sometimes I, I've, I've had my fair share of travel days that have lasted 40 plus hours where it's just, you're just constantly just waiting, moving around, getting from plane to plane. And uh, it's, it's definitely draining at the end of the day, but at the same time, it's like, you have to put yourself, like I said, the, the game starts when you jump on that plane. So I think everyone kind of has their own personal battles that they have to, that they have to get through in order to get to, you know, the final round, so to speak, which is, you know, the actual match itself. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's, you have to wrap your head around it and no matter what. Oh, that just, answers your question. Yeah, thoroughly. Just quickly, yes. <laughs> how, are you any chance to get back for the Chile games? What's your timeline like for recovery? The thing about it is, you know, like I broke my face. So it's, it's just like that. It's a bone and, and I think bones heal in like four to six weeks. And like I said, like it's been about 10, around 10 days now. And I'm, I'm probably going to hit the gym quite hard, you know, probably either tomorrow or the next day. Um, so, you know, as far as full contact goes, four to six weeks is what I'm looking at right now. And, and sadly, that's like just misses the uh, All Blacks mm-hmm. game in, in D.C., which obviously sucks pretty bad because that's that's a dream of mine to play against those guys and, and you know, witness the Hakka and stuff. So, uh, you know, just going to have to put that on the back burner, hopefully for a little bit. Uh, but no, yeah, as far as um, the summer match against Chile, I'm assuming is when that will be. Uh, yeah, I'll very much be ready for that. Okay, let's, let's go. We're about two and a bit months removed from the final. You played in Major League Rugby for Rugby ATL against LA. Have you gone back and watched the game yet? It's always a mixed thing for, unfortunately, there's, there's a winner and a loser in big games and on the losing yeah. side. Have you had a chance to go back and watch the game or you'll never watch it? 
No, no, yeah, I've watched it. It's, it's, it's obviously, like I said, I've said it before. It's, it's, you know, very much like an injury. It's kind of a hard pill to swallow when you have to tackle those, those large L's and you know on those big stages. Um, yeah, I've watched the game. It's, um, it's, it's tough to kind of like break down in the words because obviously that's kind of like, you, it's like all the chips are in, so to speak. At that point, you're like you have to fully, you know, commit to the, you know, whatever the process is. You know, I think on, in that game I was, I was reserving, so. My, my number of minutes were limited, but uh, I had to make every minute count. And, you know, I think there's there's one picture of me that I say because it's quite humbling, but it's I think it's a picture when uh, I think his name's DTH will score like one of those last final tries. And there's like a picture of me just like face down in the turf. Like and it's, it's, it's pretty crack up. But at the same time, it's like it's those humbling moments that like really, you know, kind of determine you as an athlete. Like, are you going to? Are you going to allow this to affect you in the long run? Are you going to kind of go? Because, I mean, sports are everything for a lot of these guys. This is sometimes this is all that they do. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, a little bit of a side hustle as far as graphic design and other passions. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people who, you know, were truly hurt, you know, by that by that loss. And obviously I was as well. You know, I sat there and watched the whole ceremony go down afterwards, watched the confetti go up and stuff. And, and, you, and you're happy for the guys who, who got the job done. You know, you're like, you obviously want to honor and respect that at the end of the day. But there's obviously, you know, the question what you could have done more and, and what that. But at the end of the day, you know, I, you know, I ask my wife every time I finish a game, like, how did I perform? And she's like, you know, you gave it all you had at the end of the day. You had X amount of minutes and, and you gave as much as you could. So, you know, I think for me, you know, as much as it, it hurts, you know, it's, 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 it's part of my story. And, and I hope to continue to learn from it, um, you know, with every training that passes and every game that comes my way and allows allows me to put a jersey on to represent. So, you know, for me, yeah, it's it's uh, it's just one of those games that you always remember. Obviously, I think it's one thing to play, it, but it's another thing to watch and then wait, you know, for your time to shine to like step on the pitch. So, you know, for me. I think it was just a very much a big growing moment as far as for me and, and my manhood and, and as from as far as me play, being a rugby player. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm happy for L.A. You know, I think, you know, first year out, you know, first years as a franchise, you know, performing, you know, that well and, and getting that much success is, is something to look up to and something to, you know, continue to strive for as for any team in the MLR or, or in any league to be general, to be, you know, just specific in general. But uh, yeah. That, that game will be one to remember for me. And I take a lot of my L's as personal growth. So I, I know this is probably silly to even say, but um, for me, I went to, I did high school wrestling and I got state runner up two years in a row. And I, I finally won it my senior year. And so it's like, it's stuff like that. It's like, you just like, it keeps you up at night, but at the same time, it, it drives you to, to push yourself even that much more. So. so, so, you know, that's obviously a, a disappointing moment, although playing in the Coliseum in LA must've been, like a pretty cool experience. Oh, um, 100%. Talk, talk about, tell us something, like what, what were a couple of the highlights of the season? Maybe one, one highlight on the field with rugby ATL and, and one highlight off the field. Oh, man. Oh, this, the, the thing is, is like the, the boys at ATL, like this, the, group of, the group that we had this year was something that like, I really couldn't describe. I, I think, you know, a lot of teams probably would say the same thing, but like when you have such a good, group of like class just gentlemen at the end of the day it's 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 really hard to you know pick a particular favorite moment but you know as far as rugby and stuff goes I think 
Oh, man, I, I would I'll say that first game against LA. I, I think I had probably one of my best performances. I think I had like over 20, 20 plus tackles. Um, I think I had like another 20 plus rough arrivals. Uh, I had a few scrum penalties. I, I just, I don't know. I had a really good game that time. And, and my wife, like I said, my wife, my wife will tell you first before anybody. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that was probably one of the highlights for me. Uh, they were the top dog, you know. I mean, I mean, talk about like like going into that game. Obviously, like you said, they were the top dog, and and you know, was there, was there, was, you know, and every coach is like, oh, every week is the same, every opponent is the same. Was this different? I think there's just like a little bit of like a fire in your belly in the sense that like these guys came out of nowhere and they're performing they got a lot of big name dudes on this team like for me it's just like i want to be matched up like against one of these dudes and put them on their back like that's it, that was right. my mentality yeah. you know like i never really particularly picked anyone out by any means it, to me it's just like me against everybody us against everybody and like let's just put everyone on their back was was our mentality for that game and i think like the i think you could see the possession was like 30 to seventy percent of like a attacking by it was just like an absurd amount of like defense you know by Atlanta but at the end of the day like I think yeah that was de- that was definitely probably one of my highlight matches of the year for sure like I think it was just such a fun game where you know you play a system like like Scott Lawrence just like where it's just like we're gonna have fun we're gonna attack using defense pretty much and when you right. do something like that and you literally win a game doing that it only just builds more, you know, culture and, and more strength within our strengths. So, yeah, that was definitely the highlight. As far as, like, off-the-pitch stuff goes, I mean, we have, we have a lot of South Africans on our team. So, like, constantly there'll be brides here and there, and, like, everyone will just get together. Everyone, you know, like, have some have good feed down by the river. Uh, but, like, it just, like, beautiful sunny days, pools right there um some people will bring their kids here and there like it, it's those are the times that you live for because it's not like you know you're at the club or anything you know doing anything crazy but like you're kind of like this like almost in this very much family environment so i right. like that kind of environment you know um people would just come together hang out have a chill one and just enjoy enjoy each other's company yeah it's good stuff and so it's obviously a great component of what atl have built down there and some other teams as well Mate, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We appreciate you jumping on, especially after getting out of a second surgery in ten days, little infection cleanup. But before you leave us, you won't be at ATL next year too. And I know you don't want to reveal too much, but uh, the Wengluskis are on the move. Is that true? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, no, yeah, man. I, you know, obviously, I love it here in Atlanta. This this place will always be home um my wife's actually in the chiropractic program at life university so you know Landon will still technically be my home just gonna go away for business uh but uh yeah so she'll be here this will be obviously still you know home for me like I said but uh yeah definitely definitely hitting the road Atlanta was a great home you know these past few years for me I couldn't couldn't ask for you know a better culture better environment um really thankful you know for the coaches who picked me up in the beginning in this journey and and obviously very much thankful for all the relationships that I've obviously built, you know, on the team and, and around, you know, just this environment in general. So, yeah, very, very thankful for what Atlanta gave to offer. And, you know, it's time, time for this guy to kind of spread his wings and, uh, you know, venture off. So very excited for what the future has to hold. 
Me too. Me too. New city, new chance. It's going to be a fun 2022, hopefully back and firing with the Eagles as well. Brother, we appreciate you jumping on the show. Get healthy quick. And uh, I'll tell you what, to keep an eye on your grades there. If uh, Scott Lawrence gets wind of you leaving town, he may start putting a few Fs in there just to get you to come back. <laughs> no, 100%. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for your time. Hopefully next time you see me, I can smile fully. Uh, but uh, I look forward to the next time we get to chat. Thank you so much for having me. Love the shirt too, brother. Love it. Fantastic. Cheers. Cheers. Beautiful. Thank Thanks, Chance. Appreciate it. Cheers, gentlemen. And there you go. And right at the end, a little, a little teaser at the end there that he is actually on the road. So uh, a trade has happened. The rights of Chance Wangluski have gone to another team. He didn't want to reveal at this point in time, waiting for the big announcement to come from his new team. But uh, someone is going to pick up a, an amazing front rower for 2022, Pete. Well, I mean, I think, you know, he talked about his performance against the Giltinis and it was absolutely top-notch. I mean, it's such a strong player, such a smart guy. I think, um, you know, he's a, um, a great locker room guy. He's one of those, like he's, I feel like um, Chance is one of those bits of glue, right? There are people that, that like help glue teams together. I think he'll put the team before himself as, uh, as you know, as much as he can. So it's a, it's a good pickup. And we're going to start seeing more and more of this. Um, yes, you know, yes, we're going to we see more and more people, people moving, it's part of the game. You know, fans are going to be sad. Um, uh, you know, I think that it's uh, it's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, um, a little bit sad for us as we see some of our best players, um, uh, move, you know, well, maybe not best players, but some of the favorite players that you have move from team to team. But, I mean, it's all about more opportunity, right? So there's more opportunity for players to play, um, you know, someone like Chance who... I think, you know, found himself a little bit on the bench for some of those games and was, you know, m maybe once more minutes or, you know, deserves more minutes. And it's probably just the second starter, right? So um, Atlanta can get some value out of that. So all of that is going to start to happen. The, the litmus test for when a league makes it is when fans start burning jerseys of a player who gets asked for a release or a trade. Yeah, once we hit a right. jersey, sorry, Paladin, uh, but once we hit that point, we're like, we made it. Like fans That's are right. that no, no, passionate no, no. and passionate. bought in. Yeah, that, I think boom, I, they're I, willing I, to burn their, their jerseys. Don't don't oh, burn oh, your chance from Blueski Rugby ATL jersey. He's such a good dude. And like oh, I said, his oh, wife's still there, so you've got to be nice to him. That's right. Or or is it booing? Like like booing the draft pick? That's the other thing, right? When someone boo boos booing the, the draft pick. Yeah. Boo yeah. Booing the, well, well, booing the commissioner, boo, you know, boo, booing the draft pick because we actually know the college players. Like like there's lots of growth that this that that, that the league can get to. So it's exciting. That's I think that's just Jets and Eagles fans that do that. And it's more out of despair than anything else. But yeah, no, we don't want to boo George. We should start a different one for George. He doesn't deserve to get booed like Goodell. Uh, all right. Speaking of booing, there might be a little booing north of the border, Pete, this week, because for the first time in history, the Canadian men have failed to qualify for a Rugby World Cup. Uh, a proud nation, a great nation, uh, not only in rugby, but all sports. What will the backlash be to this, you think, Pete Steinberg? Well, I mean, I, I, I think I remember reading that in, you know, something like 2015, um, rugby, rugby Canada, like Canada was like 11th in the world, right? I mean, mm. this, is, this is a team that, that's really gone downhill. And I think, you know, I, I have a little bit of a rant coming down because, you know, um, 
and, and this isn't really just about Rugby Canada, but it's about rugby unions in general. The, the challenge that, that rugby unions have in general is that I feel like they, USA Rugby, Rugby Canada, even, even some of the major unions, they don't really understand strategy. So I look at Rugby Canada and the thing, you know, if you said, okay, what is Rugby Canada that has an advantage over the US? Yeah, well, what, you know, what, what is it that Rugby Canada has that may, gives them an advantage in rugby? What do you think? Uh, I'd say their school is unified, so, isn't so, it? Yeah, well, so they've got school programs, right? They've got varsity college programs. But I actually think the strongest thing is they have real clubs. Like they have clubs with a clubhouse, fields, like youth programs. They have, they have something we don't have. They have infrastructure, right? They've got, they've got um, in their provinces, they've got professional, uh, you know, the states pay, you know, professional people to lead their provinces. They have true infrastructure. And yet, despite that infrastructure, Rugby Canada followed the same model that USA Rugby had, which is centralization. Right. It was like we need to get all of our players in one place so we can control them. But what, what that ended up what ended up happening when you do that is you reduce the pool. Now, now, USA Rugby, you know, that's not a bad strategy for USA Rugby because we don't have any infrastructure. We've got very few true clubs. We don't like most of our infrastructure is volunteer. We don't it's not professional. Right. And so for us, like we, we've got limited resources. We've got a huge country. Let's make it small. But Rugby Canada has infrastructure that they just basically said, oh, we're not going to leverage the, the advantage that we have. And I think we're seeing, you know, that I mean, look, there's a lot of exciting potential Canadian players out there, but that centralization, putting everyone, um, you know, out in Vancouver and in Victoria, like reduced all the strength across the country and took away the advantage that Canada had over the U.S. around that infrastructure. So, so it's a sad day. I think the outcome is going to be, obviously, like you need revolution. And, you know, the U.S. hasn't qualified yet. We, you know, we've got a couple more chances, but I mean, maybe we should just be singing the praises of South America. Right. Like, like Uruguay and Chile. I mean, I mean, Uruguay, we saw at the last World Cup. Right. Yeah. They, they were they were a good side. Right. Um, and we see that South America are getting their international competitions up like the Slav competition is up and running. And, you know, look at look at Chile. And, you know, we've seen Brazil like that Brazil pack, like the South America is growing. And, you know, I think it's, uh, that's good for the game globally, even though it may not be good for um, North America. I know this has been touched on a lot and, and it just makes me wonder if just the pure size of Canada and the USA is, is not only one of our greatest assets, but greatest hindrances as well. Uruguay is roughly about the same size as the state of Washington. And right. in terms of like centralized programs, it's one thing to say that, but they actually have the resources to pull everyone and get them in the same spot. It's virtually impossible in the US and Canada as well, for that matter, where you look at the, the countries that have, have done well and grown a lot, are typically geographically a lot smaller, even though they've got a dense population and a playing pool that, that is at least deep enough to support a national team. It just, I don't have the answer to overcome just a pure sheer size of, of yeah, you know, the North but, American countries. So, yeah, so I think that's right. But what I would say is that the solution for Uruguay probably isn't the same as the solution of, of, of Canada, right? And or the US. So if you centralize your program, then basically you're you're losing the benefit of the size and the infrastructure and you're competing now with Uruguay in exactly the same way. Right. Mm -hmm. And um and and so 
And Uruguay can centralize without having to move people everywhere, right? Because they can, you know, they, they can travel. So I think that the, the solution should always be, I mean, I, I remember I was sitting, it was in the mid 2000s, I was sitting at USA Rugby, I, I was working for USA Rugby at the time, and we were being presented a, you know, a strategic plan um, by a, you know, an, a, a resource, a consultant that World Rugby had recommended. And I was reading our strategic plan and I'd seen the Irish strategic plan and it was pretty much the same strategic plan. And it's not a knock on the consultant, but it, it, it was, it's, it's the fact that like a non-American person that doesn't understand the American landscape can't come up with a strategic plan. Because if you do, then you're going to come up with something that's like Ireland or like England, right? When actually we have some really specific strengths and challenges that need to be leveraged because every union does the same thing right every union does you know referees coach certification um national team pathways like they all do the same thing they all have the same outcomes but how we get there has to be different right and it has to be embedded in what we think we can leverage that can give us an asset so you know i think that um like like the big thing that i would say is that canada needs another mlot i mean fundamentally I like, you know, the, there were so many players that were coming out of the arrows. The arrows didn't have a good season. You know, can, the Canadian coaches don't, don't have much of a choice. They need an MLR team. There's, you know, there's, there's money in places like Calgary, right? There's rugby in places like Vancouver. They just need some people. And maybe this will spur some, you know, rugby people with deep pockets to say like, like you really need to do your bit. We need you to step up. Rugby, you know, we need to change rugby. And if Canada had three MLR teams, they probably wouldn't be in this spot. Paging all Canadian billionaires get involved. Just, Justin Bieber's Canadian. You want to I, I, I would like to the say Beavers? that, like, you know, maybe... The believers. Maybe, that's right. Maybe maybe we should actually get someone from Canada that can talk a little bit more, um, like, in, intelligently with some knowledge. But, it's but not a bad idea. Outside, let's, let's pencil that in for the next show. Celine let's Dion. get... Let's have a Canadian show uh, and, and bring not only to talk Arrows, but MLR future up there and talk about this in, in a little bit more depth. I'd love a Canadian perspective on this, Pete. So, yeah. Aaron, can we, uh, can we tee up someone from up there that is uh, ready to go? Jamie, uh, Jamie McKenzie, wink, wink. I'm looking oh, at my little Jamie man crush McKenzie. up there. I was going to ask you if you wanted Brian Wright. He, hey, listen, <laughs> listen. Uh, McAdoo started the eye gouge gate, so that, oh, that yeah. ended up making its way through the world. <laughs> so, uh, so he was so about that. He, um, Marcello Torrealba was cited. He Canada did cite him. It was reviewed. And there was uh, no hearing because the citing official, um, I guess, didn't um, see anything other than, I mean, in those photos, and you know I'm very conservative before I accuse people of things when it comes to this, there's definitely a yankage on that nose. Um, that's an automatic. Where you get to the eyes, I think, I, I, I don't think... I think there was something there, but I guess the judicial officer and the citing official didn't think so. Yeah, video is always a lot more telling than photos. Photos are always the best way to, but it didn't look good from what I saw in the pictures. I haven't seen the film, so I'll have to go with you on this one and, and err on the side of just staying out of it. But uh, two pretty 
big Canadian heavyweights in, in McAdoo and then Ray Barkle got involved and then thing just took off. So I was like, poor, poor uh, Tori Elba who played for the Gil Gronies. I'm not sure what his contract status is, but I'm going to be like, he's Jeff Hasler's on that team. I'm trying to think of a couple of other Canadians that were at Austin. I'm like, this could uh, be a spicy preseason for Sam Harris and Gerardo there to keep us all <laughs> under under the lid. But, uh, well, we move on to, to more you know, negative news in North American rugby, and that's the USA going down to Uruguay. We touched on this, obviously, with Chancellor. So we'll be pretty quick through this one. Pete, I just want to make two quick points, and they're both real positive points for Uruguay. So I think sometimes we get lost in the negativity, and, and there's a winner and a loser. And, and I want to focus on the winner here. There's a lot of Uruguayan players who play in MLR who have benefited, I think, for their team. Two things stood out for me. Uruguay looked great. I just want to say that the win over Fiji in the World Cup seems to have just motivated them to continue pushing through. They go in as America's one, and I truly believe they're probably, outside Argentina, the best team in the Americas right now. The second is I call the game USA-Uruguay at the exact same field. I want to say it was three years ago now, maybe a little longer. There was two people there, maybe a dog and someone who got lost in the park who stumbled onto the game. It was a full house. That is an amazing turnaround. So congratulations to Uruguay, the players, the administrators, whoever organized that. It was an absolutely capacity crowd there. Full house, looked great. Um, I couldn't couldn't find the the commentary though. The the stream I watched it on, it was just natural sounds. So I could actually hear the crowd and my Spanish is not very good, but I think they said a few things to some of the players that I'm not going to repeat on the show, but I love the passion. And I love the performance from Uruguay. They deserve that win. They really did. I don't think it was the fact of USA playing poorly, just Uruguay just out-enthused them at every aspect of that game. So I think that the, uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's right. I think Uruguay have been on the up. I think I think they've grown, you know, um, uh, not having um, uh, AJ McGinty, like we're we're a different team without AJ McGinty, and, and you know you, we can come up with all all the all the platitudes about you've just got to play with what you have, um, but not having AJ McGinty hurt us. However, what I would say is the first sixty minutes that the US played against Uruguay in Glendale, like they were dominant. It was nineteen three, and it was that last twenty minutes where they lost the plot a little bit. The the guys coming off the bench. You know, you heard it with 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 Chance when he talked about like getting like together and and um, you know like understanding the patterns and and those sorts of things. It looked like the subs weren't quite ready to come in and do that, and that's where that that's where the tie was lost. Um, yeah, I I feel like Uruguay knew they just had to come out of Glendale within ten points. They yeah, no, I think that's right. But, but supremely but 19-3, confident at home. Yeah, if it's if it's nineteen three. Like nineteen three makes everything different down there, right? And so to me, you know, that that last twenty minutes, I mean, I kind of I was really surprised. I felt like the bench of the US was stronger, but you know, they just did, like like the bench wasn't able to close that game. And you know, Uruguay kept that uh, momentum going down. In going down, it's so difficult to play down there. You know that Dan, like it, it's 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 a long trip. You know, Chance talked about it a little bit. Long um, trip. Yeah, but you know, at the same time. You know, I, I I think I think the Uruguay I think demonstrated they were the better team. I feel like Gary Gold would say we didn't play to our potential. 
right? And so I think that he, you know, and so anyway, you know, we they move on to Chile, right? So so they're going to play Chile. I don't think Chile is going to be a, um, you know, again, down there is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, you know, but um, U.S. is definitely the favorites. I, I don't know if the U.S. was favorite going in. Um, into the Uruguay is, is pretty even, but the UA, US are definitely favorites going into Chile, but there's there's work to be done. You know, so that becomes America's two, right? So the winner mm-hmm. of that, and then the loser of that goes into the repertoire, which is what Canada did last year, where your Russia, Hong Kong, um, teams like that that are all um, I think Romania, that are all actually pretty like again, not you know, there's no cupcake there. I mean, it's it's it's, mm-hmm. it's tough. The the big challenge is that you end up putting money and time into qualification versus money yeah. into time into preparation, and that's the 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 big loss. Yeah, and everyone's purse strings have been pulled pretty tight post COVID. So yeah, I, I right. agree that is difficult. Well, let's jump into some MLR news now as we go around the league, starting in Dallas, and they've been busy as you'd expect as. They build their roster out to come into the league next year. Michael Hodge will be their head coach uh, out of the Sydney University program. Young guy, 33 years of age, so a big step up for him in the head coaching role in Dallas. And he yet another Australian. And yet another Australian head coach. I mean, come on. I mean, I know, Dan, it just gives you another buddy to talk to, but really, yeah. come on. Well, I lost me mate heels, so it's only fair they replace him with another one. And... Uh, we got one of the, got rid of one of the Kiwis as well. So and Mato's gone and I, 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 lost DC. Think, so like a Hoylesy. Yeah. Do you, do you think that one of the reasons why there's a lot of Australian interest in coming to MLR for coaching is that there aren't as many positions as there are in places like New Zealand? There just aren't as many. Like your pathway is pretty narrow, right? Yeah, Where in New I think Zealand, so. there's, there's you know there's like the NPC. You know, there's lots of coaching's MPC and Super Rugby, but in Australia, you don't have that kind of coaching pathway. So a young guy like Michael Hodge, right, who wants to make a step up, it's actually easier or, or he gets a better exposure and a better experience by coming over to the US as part of his growth than it, than it is going to you know, try to stay in, in Australia. Yeah, it'll be interesting now because uh, reports coming out of New Zealand, there'll be three MPC teams folding at the end of this competition. So... That's a, a huge player pool that will now become of interest to MLR teams, but also three coaching staffs that won't have jobs. But I do agree with you that the opportunities at a club level in Australia are pretty much limited to Sydney with the Shoot Shield in terms of finances. I'm not sure Queensland, like the Brisbane area, has uh, it has its Premier League, but I don't know how viable that is for a full-time head coaching role. So MLR is very attractive for these young coaches who... I wouldn't say they get a free swing over here, but they certainly get a chance to express themselves. And as we saw, you know, with Ryan Martin as a young guy coming over, you know, get a chance to show that his coaching philosophies and styles can work in professional rugby and he goes to the Rebels. And for a guy like Darren Coleman that, you know, I am pretty sure DC was already in the conversations for the Waratah job before he came over here, but coming over here and seeing what yeah. he was able to do in a short period with Ape didn't hurt his chances with the Tars as well. So right. uh, they also do have, so they've gone young in the coaching staff, but they have Brian Ashton out of the UK, who is a very experienced rugby as uh, former coach, coach of England. On, yeah, yeah coming coach on as a consultant. So, yeah. you know, Hodge will have a, a, an experienced ear to, to whisper into there if he needs any help. 
On the player side, Jeremy Lainertz, uh, most players know him, Seattle Seawolf, Houston Sabercats. He goes down to Dallas, as does Henry Trinder out of the Gloucester Club in the UK. Thank you, Stats Boy. Uh, Ned Hodson. Oh, my old mate, Ned. He's gone from Austin Elite to Herd to Gilbronies to Dallas. He stays in Texas, though. He loves That's it right. down there. Uh, here's some big news coming for you out of Houston. So JT on yet. He's been busy along with Heineke Meyer getting the uh, player signed. They went into the sevens pool and they've picked up Danny Barrett and Matai Liuta um, out of Mike Friday's sevens program. So Danny Barrett returns to 15s. I don't think he's played much 15 since the 2015 World Cup, focusing purely right. on the Olympics and sevens. So I uh, saw him down there in Memphis with the shirt off smashing guitars. So he looks like he's He's almost got the 15s body ready, uh, Danny. <laughs> His spare ribs in Memphis must have been divine. And uh, Luita, Luita is obviously just a monster of a man. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I love him on the wing. I yeah. love him on the wing, right? He's like one of those guys, like the big, big wingers. He's going to, you can bring him off the blind side. You can have him come through the middle. Um, and, and the other thing about all these sevens guys is they all, they all have good aerial skills. Right, because right. they've been working on their aerial skills, so he'll be he'll be good under the high ball. Um, you know, it was interesting because I had a rumor that Danny was actually going to retire, but I, I'm I'm excited to see him come out and play. I think for all of these guys, you know, the uh, you know, uh, the the Olympics is the next Olympics is probably a little bit too far for them. Um, sevens mm -hmm. is generally a young person's name, game, um, and so you know, I think these guys will be thinking about you know the World Cup and and 2023 and. I'm sure that, that, that um, you know, uh, Gary Gold will be excited to see some of these guys come back into the pool. I think so. I think so as well. It'll be interesting to see if there's uh, a few other guys because it's usually cycles, right? Olympics and World Cups. Um, right. We'll see a bit of a player drain or, or new faces come in. I'd heard Danny was off to become a firefighter at one stage. So uh, plenty hot down in Houston. So maybe he's uh, going to join the fire department down there to fill his time outside his MLR duties. But excited to see him back yeah. in 15s. Just a Agreed. very talented guy, comes out of Cal program there and, and joins a list of really good back rowers to come out of Cal. You obviously, you know, you've got your Lou Stanfields, Danny Barrett, uh, Rickus Pretorius, a little throwback for everyone. Oh, Rickus, he was a good little sevens player for a while there and good looking dude too. Oh, Rickus, God, he was gorgeous. But I digress. I don't, don't come out of retirement, Rickus. My man crush mountain is, is at capacity at the moment. I've got no more space. All right, Pete, 106 in the books. Good to be back. Thanks for taking it easy on me on my first one back. Um, any final thoughts Any from the, from the lab? No, no. I mean, you know, we're going to start, uh, you know, thinking about rosters, right? We're going to start thinking about rosters. We'll see Dallas come out with more stuff, but I think, you know, looking at rosters and, and seeing what's next is uh, is, is going to be exciting. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, if there's any more news on 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 MLR expansion, right? Because I think we have 13 teams next year with Dallas, right? And so 13 is going to be the schedule is going to be interesting with 13. And so you know, um, thinking about what what that means, uh, and yeah, I'm I'm excited to see you know. Um, you know, it's just we're getting to that stage where you've got like there's things like, you know, um, coaches, players, stuff like that going on with the teams. There's um, TV deals, something you and I, Dan, are, are interested in. So so, you know, the CBS deal 
um, finished last year. So what's going to be, where's MLR going to be, um, be for the next season, uh, new stadiums. Yeah. There's just, it's, it, we're getting to that point that we can, we can taste it. And of course there's developmental programs going on as well. So being able to like keep track of some of those developmental players as they go through. Yes. I saw some photos up from the LA Guiltinis did their under 18 Academy over the weekend. I tell you some of the kids in there, it's, uh, I like the looks of them. I like yep. the looks, and we're seeing that across the country. So everyone got excited, and I know there was some talk of like, oh, you know, USA, Canada struggling in the, in the, the national level. MLR is to blame. It's like, listen, we're three years in, three full seasons. We had a, a hiatus season with COVID. It's like the Japanese Pro League was up ten years before that national team even started to to make a decent run the usa was spanking japan even while their pro league was running so yeah be patient give it some time we've got a big one coming up out in dc as uh, the usa takes on the all blacks if anything i was lucky enough to be down on the field uh when they played each other in chicago get out there just to watch the all blacks it's an incredible experience take your kids if you want to have someone fall in love with rugby that is the, the the gateway drug. That is the ultimate drug to rugby is watching the All Blacks play. That's coming from Australia as well. So passport just got shredded. Sorry. Um, God save the Queen and all that. But New Zealand really are just so impressive to watch play. Do we get free tickets to that? No. We, we have to get we there. You have to get yeah. there. Like, I, I would... I, I, like, where, where do we watch October's that? crazy. Do we know what, what TV has that yet or any TV has that? I imagine it's going to be on TV. I, I looked again. I haven't seen any details uh, released yet, but I will get Sorry. us an I will hopefully get us an answer next week when we record again. So it's only two weeks away, less than two weeks. So don't worry about it. I'm guessing I'm guessing the last one was on NBC. So we might have to give uh, give our buddies. Corbs and Dan Lyle and, and Hightower call over to NBC and see if they're doing the game or not. Either way, that wraps it up. Another great show. Great to be back. Um, make sure you give Pete Steinberg a hard time on Twitter this week for me and everything should be good. For the Professor Pete Steinberg, Stats Boy, Aaron Castro, our producer, I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 106 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by The Rugby Shop. <laughs>